Hi, Jimmy here. Welcome to a special bubble episode of Shoulders of Giants, where we are going to cover a bit of a spoiler discussion on Eternals. So this is your warning. If you haven't seen Eternals yet, then uh, probably steer away from this bubble pod until you have had a chance to see that Marvel caper. We also cover a couple of other things around It's a Sin, Doctor Who and the work of Russell T. Davis, but it's really only the Eternals that you need to worry about from a spoiler point of view. Um, and of course, given this is Jimmy and Sheppy, and I'm already talking about myself in the third person, we talk about much, much more besides. Hope you enjoy this week's Bubble App. good in about 10 secs i just got this little nice. espresso down me but i'm good yeah i'm good Sheppy. how are you i'm all right i have a bit of a cold but it's suddenly i have a cold weirdly because it's suddenly really hot like today this proper t-shirt weather um it's very strange and because it was so quick it's had a, an effect a little bit so i'm a little bit blair but i'm having a very nice evening i'm very happy and i'm very oh. happy to see you jimbo you too, Sheppy. Hey, on YouTube, there's a 60 seconds behind the scenes of Ted Lasso that just came up, I guess, oh. on some kind of algorithmic, Jimmy, you have to see this from YT, <laughs> boom. And um, yeah, and it's uh, very heartwarming and nice and a nice way to spend 15 oh. minutes. And yeah. Oh, well, that's nice. Well, I'll, I'll have a look for that. That sounds yeah. delightful. Um, it was funny about um, Goldstein's audition and it's fun. It's fun. Oh, yeah. oh well, that's nice. I saw that he's been and it, the show has been winning lots of awards recently, um, which yeah. is nice. And yeah, Goldstein especially and Hannah Waddington and and Sudeikis has a bit, and the show has a lot. So that's nice. It's cleaning up. It's really cool. It's cute. Yeah. The, the thing is, right? It's sort of I don't know. I don't know why I'm just thinking this now, but. I was thinking, like, you know, Master of None at one point could have taken over the world, I reckon. Yeah. It kind of had a similar vibe the more I think about it the first two seasons. I haven't even seen the third one yet. But it just had right. this sort of... It, it had a happiness wrapped around it as well. But do you yeah. know what I mean? That it's kind of like... Well, guess what? The third season does not have a blanket <laughs> of happiness wrapped around it. Oh, unless your definition of happiness is just like spiky shit and you've got a blanket of that wrapped around you with the spikes going in. It's, hey, it's acupuncture. not happy. Acupuncture well, yeah, good for yeah, like straight, straight through the eye, pumping shit in through the open wound. It's not happy. It's not a happy season. No one is happy in that season. It's, it's very unhappy. It's not even a blanket. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's an old chewed shoe. And, you know, there's nothing with that. I was trying to think of the opposite of a blanket, and I came up with an old chewed shoe. So make of that what you will. But it's not, of course, it's good, season three, but it's not what seasons one and two are. So it's, it's kind of like Twin Peaks The Return, in that it is really good, but deep down would secretly wish that it was more orthodox, which in terms of Twin Peaks is 
ludicrous because by definition it's not but it's it's like that yeah i would love to see more season three of master of none the same vibe as the first two seasons and it's a real shame creatively what I, i'm assuming as he just wasn't interested in going down he got slightly cancelled couldn't he shepherd in a very i, I don't know if you want to touch me here but a very tricky, tricky little Me Too situation for Aziz, if you Google it. Like, it's right on the line of, like, uh, making you question your own life choices sometimes. Like, you know, well, like little it. moments where you're like, oh, okay, well, if that's included in Me Too, that's very tricky, like, you know. Right. Yeah. Sort of, I've already been cancelled three times. It's awkward. <laughs> Can't show my face down the vicarage. Let's not be laughing at people being cancelled in case we keep this in the podcast. That's that's the vicarage reference. It's just it's brilliant. Came from the heart, Jimbo. Jimbo, I've got a few things I want to say. Well, One I think of... you need to get them off your chest for sure. And I really want to just say some things about Eternals at some point because I need someone yes. who's more of an expert than me to answer some questions under the knife. Well, we can get straight to it, actually, Jimbo. Straight to it. But there's one thing I want to mention now that has been on my mind, and I want to mention it before I forget it. And it's one of those things where we can't do a Lucas and go back to the Hulk podcast and insert it now. That's that, you know, that ship has sailed. We won't have an Incredible Hulk podcast special edition, which is like 30 seconds longer, where I tell this tiny anecdote. But I'm going to say it now because I couldn't believe it. It was like three weeks later, and I suddenly did a banner and sat bolt upright in bed. I was like, fuck, I should have mentioned that on the Hulk podcast. So I'm going to mention it now, Jimbo, that in terms of my connection to the Hulk, um, when I was, I guess, about four or five, absolute oldest I'm, i think six like i'm sure i wasn't i was 17 jimbo i was 17 no i was about five and um at ewhurst village fate summer fate um where there was like all sorts of you know like nice things there and there was a fancy dress competition and i was in the, you know this age category and i entered as the Incredible Hulk and I was all covered in green paint shorts and shit and it was hardcore Um, and I was having a good old time and I wanted to go on the bouncy castle and the man said you can't go on there and I don't think he was nasty about it but he was like you can't go on there because you'll make the green paint will come off on the inside and then it'll get on all the other kids and you know it's absolutely right very valid point uh, but I was sad and I cried and it was before the fancy dress, you know, costume competition and I cried. And so I had on my green face, these like pink streaks of tears <laughs> down sad Hulk face. Um, but luckily my dad had this green makeup like with him in a carrier bag, probably budgeons. And so we nipped around the back of a shed and he, <laughs> and he touched me up and sorted me out yeah i know i mean i I first second thought i should choose different words but i went straight into it straight into it and i came out and my face was sorted um and i got second prize from the fancy that's nice shippy i like that and and i remember going home i don't remember who got first prize by the way and i think second prize was something like like a five pound voucher 
run like a you know Ewhurst bookshop or at least Cranley bookshop. So um, that's nice. And I went home and I had a bath and I was sitting in the bath and all the water was green. And then I remember pulling out the plug or maybe my mum pulling out the plug and watching the green go down the plug while sitting in the bath. And it was the first time I'd ever stayed in the bath the whole time without, you know, going, am I going to get sucked down the plug hole? No, I'm not for that, you know, but even so. And having that and then being in the empty bath with this like green ring of film around the bathtub. And then, yeah, and that, that's my memory of dressing up as Ingrid Mahomes. And I have to say, I think my, I wasn't original. I was the return of Ingrid Mahomes because my brother had done the same gig like the, a year or two previously. <laughs> there you go. I was Edward Norton to his Eric Banner, or worse, I was his Eric Banner to his Bill Bixby. Either way, or I guess Ferrigno, really, and I was CGI 2003 CGI Hulk. <laughs> and he was. <laughs> I want to, there's something, a little idea just popped in my head here, which I want to cover in a minute. But so you said you were four here, three, four? I'm going to say, I, I mean, honestly, the oldest was six. Okay. But, I'm, so I'm, but I think four or five. I mean, these are I, very, I very, it. yeah, these are times which are very imprintable, Sheppy. And I'm just wondering what came first the fancy dress or the TV show adulation? Like, I mean, I, I'm wondering, was it definitely that you were a Hulk fan or was it because your parents had some green makeup left over <laughs> and some tatty old trousers they still had thrown out? <laughs> I mean, that's my whole childhood, <laughs> the, the hand-me-downs and, and the green makeup. Um, that's, that's, that's summed it up from the age of, like, two until 18. Um, but I will say this. This is where I get my pipe out and say, tell me more about this child. <laughs> it's not your fault, Ben. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. I, I know. I know. It's not, it's not your fault. Um, let me say this about that. I think I was young enough that my later love of Hulk, when I got, you know, when the pilot was on TV and then I got the VHS from London, that hadn't happened yet. So I was in between, I was transitioning from being scared, but on some level fascinated by the Hulk TV show. And I was about, and I, yeah, recognized the coolness of the character. And so, so I think it was all hand in hand. One didn't necessarily, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't have dressed up on it. I would have refused if I didn't like the Hulk on some level. If I was like, ah, they put the green man on me, I don't like it then it would be a different story. I probably would have got a, like it's Paddington or something, which I think my sister did a few years before. So there you go. Um, so, yeah, so I think it was like, you like the Hulk, don't you? Look, Ben, because we, we're not getting you a Spider-Man outfit. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Although, actually, I did have a Spider-Man outfit, but I had the worst mask because it was all, it was like pyjamas, basically. It was Spider-Man, and you put the, like a balaclava on your face to finish off the Spider-Man, you know, suit. But, and I'm not joking, the balaclava, the face was totally cut out. It wasn't eye holes. It was an entire face, like, you know, Basil and Bond style, but Spider-Man. So it was a double lose because it was Spider-Man, but it was missing the distinctive face. And also, it's the worst suit. Like, aren't you Peter Parker? Why have you cut out your entire face of the mask when we can see you? That's rubbish. So, um, so I did <laughs> <laughs> but it was badly thought out. 
I want to just circle back to the moment where you're knocked back from the Belsey Castle. <laughs> In the story of your life, I think that's played by two different people from two different time zones, right? But I, I sort of see the first knockback could be like a real proper gypsy Arthur Shelby type. <laughs> like, Here, little fella, <laughs> by order of the Peaky Blinders, you're out. <laughs> you know, so you're take totally your green card over there. <laughs> or you go with a totally different take and you get like a, a proper Doug Ross, George Clooney type who's like a real, <laughs> like he really takes a moment to have a scene with you where he's like, Hey kid, you can see you're welling up and about to streak your cheeks. And he's like, hey kid, look, you know, I can see uh, you're not about to uh, get stop hulking out anytime soon. So don't calm down. You keep yourself hulked up. Otherwise, you're not going to win the competition. <laughs> Do you know what I, mean? so, yeah. I can totally see the Clooney bobblehead as he's doing that speech. <laughs> or Sam Rockwell in that Steve Carell film. And behind him, like kids are just jumping around, beating each other up. And like, yeah, know, at least. And maybe Will Ferrell takes his opportunity to jump into it. So, like, what's that like? <laughs> Why not? Um, well, anyway. in my mind, um, in my mind, the man is Brian Cat. So, make of that way. Yes, that's the perfect casting, by the way, for the kind of the five star <laughs> Oscar winner. Yeah, absolutely, yes, without yeah. being ridiculous. Yeah. Go, perfect. go with the cat. Yeah, no, it's kind of, you know, with, with stars bigger than anything. Lovely. Mine's yes. probably Daddy DeVito in a more of a sort of Tim Burton crazy. Oh, yeah, lacking. sure. What the hell? Yeah. Hey, forget about it, kid. Get out of here. Go on, beat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. With a twinkle in your eye because you've already predicted the future and you know he's going to come second. Anyway, anyway, Shelby. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. So, um, right, should we talk? Should we quickly cover Eternal? Uh, well, I mean, not yes, necessarily yes. quickly, but just uh, so I mean, I don't even know if we know whether each other likes it. I'm, I'm did you yeah. see this very, very recently? Very recently on Disney, so yeah, and I did didn't you see know anything? anything? No, did you know anything about the characters or the mythology or anything? Not a jot, Sheppy, mm. yeah, not a thing. Um, oh. Uh, I'll say this, me neither. I didn't know anything about them. Uh, I, I hadn't read or seen anything. And I didn't also see it at the movie Picture House. So I saw it similarly to Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Clanks, whereas I, I knew the basics of that, but I kind of saw it cold with no build-up, you know, because it, I, I, I too didn't see it at the cinema. So it was like when it was released, and made available to the public. There was very little fanfare. And I was like, oh, this is available. Oh, okay. And that sort of was, was different. There was no sense of an event which maybe colored the experience, added to that in terms of the Eternals, me not knowing, but I was very, totally open to it, of course, um, but not having a nostalgic element or even a fleetingly nostalgic, tangentially connected moment with it. Um, with that in mind, it was nice to see Stark and Snow reunited. It was that like the was um, a surprise. I didn't even know Kit Harrington was in it. Yeah, yeah right. that was actually like a big reveal for me. That was they like... knew what they were doing. That shot 
was a Game of Thrones reference, you know, just in terms of like, <laughs> look, it's them. It's like when you have a Brian Kant sized cameo and the guy has his back to the camera and says, excuse me, sir. And he turns around and the audience is like, oh, it's Brian Kant, for example, or in this case, whoever it might be. <laughs> something, something huge like that. So yeah, when they met up, that was nice. Um, I will say from what I remember, and I saw this film maybe, I don't know, six weeks ago or something, like a little while ago. Um, I will say, I thought the beginning, like the first third could have been restructured, maybe just from a script form in terms of just being a bit more streamlined, maybe just follow one character more for the first third of the film. So you're introduced to it in pieces more than just dropping you in it. Maybe that would have helped me personally to get more into it. Um, nice to see Camille. Nice to oh, see everyone. He's the star, isn't he? I think. Yeah. I mean, look, Sheppy, on balance, I think it's okay, right? Mm. I think there's there's genuinely very two-star moments and there's genuinely mm. some very four-star moments, I think. I like I like the whole, well, we'll get into some of the likes in a minute, but just to your point there, I just don't like, they have the perfect plot there for the reason why they didn't jump in and help the Avengers. You know, they've got it all set, haven't they? And so what I can't understand is why rush to Eternals, you know, when you could have built this up again over time? This is phase two or five, phase four, or sorry, whatever we're up to. Like, like why not? Because I could watch a full Kamal movie. I might not be able to watch a full movie of all of them, but, you know, I could, I could probably do a full Kamal. I could probably just about... You know, get through Athena movie as well. I feel yeah. like Angelina's got enough, obviously enough star power to carry something. And like, they could have told that a bit more because it would be a bit more like it's a bit jarring how you're introduced to her and she's already a bit annoying and attacking them all. Like, <laughs> be this like, oh, quite okay, right. you know. So I just I think like Athena and the, they they could have just taken their time a bit. But it's like they well, to speak it. with that, I would say it was probably always better suited to be a TV show. And it's weird in a yeah. way that it wasn't to be a limited series, six part, seven parter, and even have like, like you say, have individual episodes focusing on individuals, have very, very minor crossovers. And then you, you, know, you get everyone has their own full on episode. And then, yeah, that would work. And then by episode six, for example, they will merge and come together. Yeah. 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 Okay. It, it, it does seem like the film was, there was, yeah, there was, it seemed like there was no forward momentum just to get me into the story. It was like, they're in the spaceship, then there's the beginning from a long time ago. Uh, I don't know, it had the same sort of thing with actually Captain Marvel in that I just couldn't, there was never a point where I was connected. And I was like, you're five minutes in and you're still not connected where yeah. that's actually a bad sign. Um, and I, and again, nothing against, yeah, nothing against either of them, honestly. I don't dislike So you were you were a fan by the sound of it, maybe of our man uh, 
of our mind, Kamal. I thought he was great. I thought he was really great. Kingo is that his name, the character. Yeah. Possibly, maybe. I, think... <laughs> I have forgotten a lot, actually. Um, it was good. Oh, I, one thing. Spoilers right now, if you haven't seen it. Um, I mean, I'm going to just talk about a twist in the film, a big plot revelation that Richard Madden, Rob Stark, the bodyguard, and other things, he um, he flips it and he's a baddie, basically. Um, and it's like, oh, okay. Um, and I've seen other things recently where it's exactly the same. And then you can throw in the boys where, again, the Superman character is a full-on villain and everything. So it just seems to be cropping up a lot. And I don't know. And, you know, it's so funny. So you can check a wiki very quickly. But... I don't know if that's part of the comic mythology. How much you know, was that set up? How much of the arc was there? How long how was the run of the Eternals? And was that always a plan? And when was the reveal? If that they even did that story, or is it like the Avengers and Guardians, where you have a very a rotation of heroes? Um, I don't know. It's doubtful, but who knows? So, but anyway, that was something else someone was just throw out. I'm not going to mention anything else in case. Because that would just be an, an automatic spoiler for the other things as well. But I have I think that's okay, Shippy. I think we can put a little disclaimer at the front. If we make this one eternal theme, this bubble, I think that's all right. And because uh, I wanted to talk to you about that, like, because I thought Richard, I, I've definitely got to circle back to Kamal again in a minute just because I want to cover what I think of it. But um, I, I thought Richard Madden was awful in it. And I really like yeah. him in The Bodyguard. And I really like, you know, the good in Game of Thrones and good in, you know, yeah. he's a good act great in bloody rocket man i don't know if you've seen that the up and drive oh, yeah, yeah. amazing and like you know so he's really good and you know a lot of people have got their money on him for bond but i've got to be honest on this evidence i don't think he's a movie star really to carry a film like, i just don't think he's got quite the movie star charisma level maybe because he's for me so wooden in it like and it's not he's necessarily given not good stuff to he's got a very juicy thing to work with and yet, like, a lot of my problem with the movie is how CGI-y it is. Because, like, it's just some of the, the effects are really quite shit. Like, the, the actor's not even really even looking in there. It's like bloody Danny <laughs> Radcliffe all over again with Dobby. They're not even bloody <laughs> looking at the right tennis ball. Like, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> and it's really a shame. And then at the very end, you know, he flies into the sun. And, you know, he doesn't really even, like... He doesn't even have like an expression as he's doing it. He's just sort of like still just flying, you know. And you're like, oh, that's such a shame. Like, and I said to G, like, flipping heck. Like, if you think about Christopher Reeve zipping around the world backwards to try and push it back to save Lois Lane, and he's fucking screaming as he does it. Like, and Richard Madden is just like, da 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 da, as he flies into the fucking sun. <laughs> what? Right, We're taking yeah, crazy but... pills here. I don't even get it. It's stupid. It's stupid. Maybe he's stupid. seen so many of these films where someone gives such an over-the-top performance because it's clearly that's what they think they should give in those types of films, and then it always reflects badly back. And so maybe he's like, oh, I better not make that classic mistake. So I'm going <laughs> to dial it right down. They're not going to see any emotion. 
Absolutely. How much better is it though, Sheppy, if he just he's betrayed all his friends, his were his lover of three thousand years, everything yeah. like it's huge if you give it. Like if you just fucking yeah. take off and you scream into the sun, which you should yeah. get to in seconds as well, because you're so yeah. quick anyway. Like it's the it, it just I, I honestly dropped my popcorn and nearly walked out <laughs> of the sitting room. Anyway, but, but yeah, I did that really uh but yeah, but the thing is, like, so just two things I really liked. I really loved uh, Kamal and his friend, uh, Karun, I think, whatever, the guy with the video camera and that. He was so good. Oh. Honestly, so many oh, other well. I believe he's and a huge Hollywood star in real life, that guy. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I can totally imagine him having 70 daughters in one movie and, like, you know, <laughs> having a good old dance. We're um, getting married. We're getting married, too. We're all getting married. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they just, they're, there's a brilliant, and I want to say, like, five-star set piece where they're about maybe halfway through, where they're in a village, they've all reassembled, and you know exactly where all, and they get attacked by the, I don't even know what the bloody villains are called, but you know those things. Yeah, and and it's just brilliant. And you've got all the characters doing their powers. And you've got, like, lots of very funny stuff between Kumail and the guy. Did you get that? And all the films are like, you know, it's really... But they're doing it in a, with all the beats being hit. And I thought, well, that's it. That's exactly what the film should be, you know? Like, and, But anyway, yeah. I don't well, think we... Go. We've got to talk about Harry Styles as well, the Sheppy, haven't we? I mean, right, so getting to the stingers. Now, the thing is, I've seen Dunkirk and I know the name Harry Styles. Um, and I don't know if this is a cool thing or this is like one of those dad things where they don't know what's going on. Either way, I'm sort of proud to say I don't really know. I don't know who Harry Styles is other than he's a kind of a teeny bop singer. But I have seen Dunkirk, and I don't even know who he was in that. But everyone in it was good, so that's that's good. Um, and didn't Tron Lady dump Ted Lasso for him? Was that is that right? Yeah, that's true. That's hard. I don't hold that against him. Um, I have nothing against him at all. In my mind, I see the guy who plays the Flash on TV, and I can't picture Harry Styles. <laughs> um, I, I can picture Harry Seacombe, but him and the weird troll, who I believe was Patton Oswalt, but the weird CGI. Again, I don't know those characters, but that's interesting. Yeah, it adds a sort of a Guardians-style vibe at the end when it's not really been that vibe, doesn't it? It's, it's an interesting moment. Uh, he's, I mean, I don't know him really either, Sheppy. I've only got the first three One Direction albums, I think, maybe. I'm not sure, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> gun to the head, Sheppy, and like gun to G's head or something as well. We're both dead. If someone says they were one direction, so we're going oh, well, to the that's fair. That's, I think that's, that's, that's fair. Um, but, um, but yeah, but good the, for him. So, and good weirdly, playing Thanos's brother, which is strange because he doesn't look like Thanos. <laughs> He's not, not at all, actually. So, um, so that's interesting. But again, I get. I, I don't know how much is it directly from the comics or. Not. So we shall see. Um, I assume it's to have that to say just randomly, oh, he's my brother. It's like, okay, no. Um, and then the final thing 
did you did you I didn't I like did. the final oh yeah where Kit goes for the sword or whatever and then he's there's a voice off saying are you ready for it or something like that yeah yeah <laughs> you ready for it do you know <laughs> take it out you <laughs> <laughs> do you know um who the voice belongs to no who is it I do it's I um I didn't know this when I watched it I thought that's rubbish but um it's become known um, that it was Mahersha Ali as Blade. Um, oh, wow, okay. If you can't get him in front of a green screen dressed as Blade to deliver that line and then plop it in, um, then don't do it. Just having the voice, I, I, it, it's really shit. Are you ready for it? It's like, fuck off, unless you're coming in. So, yeah. um, so that's a shame. I wasn't a big fan of that. So um, what's the implication there that he... Is similar to Blade as well than Kit Harrington because he can't be Blade as well, can he? No, he's not. I mean, you can't have two Blades. There's only one Blade, no. and that Blade is Wesley Blade. But um, <laughs> it, Kit Harrington, and again, I'm only getting is um, a character. I think it's called the Black Knight, um, okay. who is another comic book person who I think in the comics is, has had run-ins with Blade, so it would make sense that Blade pops up. But now we have got to that glorious point where I, I have no idea. So now people who are listening to this, who know all these things and read the comics are all like me, when I'm like, no, you fucking idiot, that was Frank Miller. So, huzzah, um, it's circle of life. Was it called uh, the, so, it was the Night's Watch, wasn't it, that he was a member of a Game of Thrones, wasn't it? It wasn't like the right. Black Knights of the Wall or anything. Yeah, okay, right, okay, right. all right. No. <laughs> yeah, I'll allow it. Um, but but you watch your step yeah well exactly Um, you know so overall uh, Eternals yeah uh, two star I guess yeah two stars absolutely it really I'm up for more you know but you know it really dropped the I assume I assume Richard Madden isn't dead um, and he's going to come po-faced back out of the sun yeah probably because, you know, if you don't see him burst into flame and turn and scatter into ashes in space, and those ashes crystallise in the vacuum or in the cold and then shatter into even smaller pieces. If you don't see that, then Richard Madden ain't dead uh, in life and in Eternals. So we'll, we'll see that crazy kid again. Where do you um, sit with his performance, Sheppy? Where do you sit with him as a possible well, Bond? Well, I, I don't know. I, oh, no. Well, I don't want him to be Bond because his nose is too squishy. And you can't have a squishy nosed bond. <laughs> Daniel Craig has a flat nose, but you know it's all bone and sinew and tough, and it's not going to give under pressure. Whereas Richard Madden's nose, if you pushed it, it would be like um, one of those clown noses or something. It would just push right in, or like a little, like a rubber, uh, one of the rubber red noses, but really thin material. So you can just push it, get, like, basically inside out straight away. That's his I mean... nose. If the nose is your criteria for Bond, Sheppy, I mean, who to turn to? Oh, no, you see. Oh, dear. Oh, I don't like that at all. <laughs> oh, what, what, I, what I really find disturbing is that was, like, right off, straight away. Like, that was, <laughs> that was, and it was organic, it was well-delivered, it was smooth, it was uh, horrendous. See something was coming. It was bracing <laughs> myself, but I wasn't ready for that. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. 
Um, so no, I don't want Richard Madden. I still want Dan Stevens. Yeah, me too, man. Me too, totally. I'm in. Yeah, I, I was in I since think... the guest, and yes. he's just famous yes. enough, and he's not really. No one really remembers him as Matthew and Downton, and it'd be right. happy. Yeah. Yeah, no one remembers Daniel Craig from Our Friends in the North. So absolutely, um, get rid of it, uh, Downton boy. Yes, Jimmy. Yes, a thousand times yes. There is something else I wanted to mention. Yes, let's do it. I, I, well, I won't go into any detail, but I will tell you just for the sake of it that I saw Batman or the Batman Ooh, the other day. Okay. I saw it on Monday. I saw it on the Monday, um, <laughs> and and obviously I won't say anything because I know you haven't seen it yet. Um, but would you like me to tell you if I liked it or not? Yes, please go on because I'm not too worried. I've I've actually I've not gorged on reviews, but I've been a bit exposed, so I'm not. It's mm. not super precious for me this one. So go for it, mm. be, yeah. Well, first of all, my review is it's good that it, you're not precious for it. You know, go in and just you know check it out. I like it. Oh, that's good. It's and it's in my top half of all Batman films. It's in you know it's in the winning fifty percent. I don't know what order it is. You know, I won't for you know, until at least I've seen it again. But um, and I'll see it again at some point. And it's good, it's good, it's very good. I like it. I won't say anything else. Uh, there are things I don't like about it, but there are lots of things I do like about it. And I will say, our Pats, yes, please. But I always knew he was going to be good. Um, That's nice. And I have one other thing that I like about it, and I think I can say, I'm going to say. His relationship with Jim Gordon in the film, like Batman and Jim Gordon's, is my favourite relationship, you know, uh, you know um, from any of the Batman films. Um, theirs is, it's good. It's, um, they, they have a good relationship and I like it. And it's bordering on friendship and it's nice. That's really so they, cool. That's happy. Yes. I think um, yes. I'm, I was concerned about that because I think, you've watched Westworld, haven't you? Yes, yeah, yes. like I, by season two, like he's a brilliant actor, is our man Felix. And I, but I just he sometimes mumbles, like, do you know what I mean? And I'm like, poor <laughs> blimey, you know, I might need to go to a subtitle show because I hear it's quite a mumbly movie, the Batman, like, and everything's a bit subdued, you know. And like, if, they, if they're talking about clues under their breath, you know, and it's a <laughs> complicated for old man Jimmy, I don't know what I'm going to do, yeah. but we'll have to just see if I can keep up. <laughs> <laughs> with 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 the but and I hear the bat to Bruce ratio is is a lot better than it was in Dark Knight Rises, for example. Like oh, here we get, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And also, Batman's just overall presence in the film, I like not just the ratio, but his presence in the city. And again, I just I don't want to give. But it's it's not the whole film like he's just in shadow the whole time. He interacts with people and it doesn't look weird. It looks cool. Um, yeah. So he's not mythic. He's, he's a known entity and it's nice. And I like that. Yeah. So there's lots of stuff I like about it. And we'll talk more after you've seen it. I think Batman as a character is fascinating how he is basically probably the gold standard for in terms of just being i don't know still relevant people still interested you know we talk about superhero movie fatigue and stuff you know 
I don't really feel it with Marvel. I enjoy all their content generally. There's always something to take from each one. There's always a titter here or a giggle there or a ooh or an ah. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I'm going. But I would just say, like Batman, you know, you'd think it's exhausting to reinvent and reinvent. I'm so glad it's not an origin story because that would be exhausting. But I think in all other respects. I mean, brilliant. There was room for reinvention, you know, and they probably still have got another iteration they could do in five years if they wanted to. Yes. So it's like, that's amazing, really, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, in terms of comic lore, it's probably the one, you know, everyone's fascinated by all the villains and, you know, it's just, it's just really cool. He's got the best villain selection. Like every superhero has like one really good villain. Some of them have two. Spider-Man has a good, a very good amount, but Batman has the best. And, you know, like, he's got, like, at least five really gold-standard, excellent villains, and then, like, 25 really good ones after that. Um, and, you know, and I love a bit of Clayface. So, yeah, um, yeah. And Batman, just in terms, you know, he's fundamentally a cool concept. He's in the shadows. He's badass. He's very bright. He's a detective, he's got loads of money, he's got all the James Bond shit, he's got shit tons of angst, goes in the shadows, growls, he snarls, he drools, um, he sleeps above the covers, especially if he's Michael Keaton. So, yes, um, there's lots of meat in there, and I like Adam West Batman, so you can do all sorts with it. Um, I like it all. Well, I don't like it all, but, um, you know, see you does later. Get the vo- Final question, Shabby, does he get the voice right, Pat's? I'll leave that to you to decide. Okay. Um, I think so. I think so. There was one bit in the trailer that I was like, oh, oh dear. But within the context of the film, uh, it's good. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I'm happy with his voice. But to be honest, I never had a massive problem with Bale. Uh, growly, growly, snarly, snarly. I didn't blah, either blah, until blah. he started talking to Lucius in the same voice. Same <laughs> character. <laughs> How's it going, Lucius? Um, yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, I, I like I like everything. I like it all. I like it all very much, and it's all very nice. And the principles, all of the principles, the characters themselves, and the actors, and the chemistry within all of the main people in that film are all very, very good. So that's nice, and it's been successful. So I assume we shall see more. So that's also very nice. That's cool. I'm looking forward to it, Shepard. We'll try and get to it. To be fair, might even go tomorrow. We'll just see. Oh, that's yeah, nice. but um, yeah. Then you can we can record another little extra bit. And you can just put it in here, really <laughs> awkwardly. I like it. Or you can put that in the Incredible Hulk one as well for the special edition, <laughs> out of context, really random. There was another thing I wanted to um, mention to you, which I keep I kept forgetting to mention in the last couple. You mentioned it in a in a message. Am I correct in saying that you saw It's a Sin? Yeah, man. Ooh. Nice. And we're no, just four out of six in years and years as well, by the way. I don't oh, I haven't got to that yet. Fair play. I just got to shiver saying the title. Oh, <laughs> so well, good that's I'm amazing. at the moment. But anyway, sorry. We, yeah. we watched it's a bit, uh, we watched a Very English Scandal and we watched um, It's a Sin. And then we went back and watched Quinn's Phone. And we watched Second Coming, the Christopher Eccleston two-parter. He is, Jesus, it's amazing. Um, and but we haven't got to years and years yet, so that's that's very exciting. And it's just you getting a shiver has made me excited. So that's so, so that's those are stuff. all Russells, are they? 
uh, yes. the second coming is Russell as well. Is it? Wow. Yeah. Okay, man. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, that's so many treats. My head might explode. I'm going to try and pace myself. Do you, do you remember in the early 90s, there was this thing, it was kind of like Doctor Who, and I just started saying that without even thinking of the obvious connection, but it was kind of like Doctor Who. It was from the early 90s. Children's BBC, like maybe a five or six part, maybe even a three part thing. Um, and, and it was good. And it had a young Kate Winslet in it. But no one used that at the time, and it was only much, much later. Someone said, do you remember that thing? Well, that's Kate Winslet. Well, well. But um, it was good. And anyway, it was Russell T. Davis for, like, 91. Um, and so nice. I remember that. He also wrote for Chucklevision a few episodes. Um, but and I didn't he... realise he beat so soon, Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> and he also wrote a lot for um, Why Don't You? Uh, so he was one of and, and he always think about the foot kicking the TV in. Um, yes. Uh, so, well, wow. Okay. I mean, look, I love him. I hope. That, I mean, the, my whole in was. I mean, I'm still due the Doctor Who run, which we haven't attempted. Right. But the, you know, literally just listen to Desert Island Discs. He was so personable, but so on the money with some of the thoughts around writing. I was like, oh, my God, yeah, we should really get into something. And then saw It's a Sin on, like, one of the streaming services over here. I was like, well, let's give it a go. And then, Jesus, you know, that's that's serious. And what I love about it is just, it's. I just feel like I haven't seen a really high-quality British show for a, a few years where mm-hmm. it's so dense and compact and the americans could probably pull it apart and make a good 10 to 20 episode show of it as well which would be a different beast but you'd still get all the same hits and so what i love about some of these things like the office or like you know whatever like you know it's so like it's all packed everybody's so perfect the writing is just does zero fat on it and you just get everything in a tight little bubble i'm trying to really explain yeah. but i'm not like do you know what i mean like and it's no no you explain that perfectly and like yeah I, I just thought it's a sin was a masterclass in wrong footing you little twists and like just and it can still be really galore. funny you yeah. can just have a horrible moment and then you're instantly it's funny and then sometimes halfway through a funny bit it does like a, a needle scratch and just gut punches you again and you're like oh no <laughs> it's it's very good yes uh, i really um, i won't say this yet that we, we watched the years and years last night which was i'll say i just gonna say two things about it one you take anything about the show beyond saying g is saying to me i don't know if i want to watch the last two like it was ooh. too impactful and then um the other thing is just the way that this specific moment was constructed and happens a lot and it's a sin as well exactly to your point a lot of it it will all be in the script of course but like russell would have to trust those directors or you know to really hit the marks for him like it's 90 percent in the dialogue 90 percent in the way that it's all pulled together and what you cut to or whatever in your scene or when you reveal certain things but there's something also around where the camera takes you and where things are focusing some of the time on some of his stuff in a way that I'm not really noticing with other people as well, like where you think, yeah, the writing's all there, but if you don't direct that properly, it really wouldn't work, you know? And and it's not like it's on the page, you have to do it this way. You could do it a multitude of ways, but you just, 
you wouldn't get what you think Russell must be going for every time. Does that make sense? Like, you know, it's yeah. really like... And when, I think when you... he's very hands-on with his directors and editors, mm-hmm. you know, like on oh, TV, yeah. writer is king, and he's like a big writer. So I think he's that very, very hands-on in terms of the direction and the writing and so on. Um, and you know what? On the, on the strength of even the limited resume I've seen, understandable. Like, wow. And it makes me so excited to watch his Doctor Who run because I, you know, we've talked about it, I think, even on this pod before as well, but just I'm really, I'm really up for that because, yeah, it's brilliant. I, it's I, sort of well, let me say before, well, yes, I mean, I, I can't wait for you to watch it just so we can do like a little conversation about that. Just <laughs> we'll have to do a, a show little... Doctor Who episode, but we would, I mean, yeah, where we just, but, but we'd have to record it in increments because we need it fresh where we do like from every couple of episodes, we talk about it a little bit and then just stitch it all together when you finish it. And it will be this huge thing starting on one day. <laughs> and at, whenever we record any shoulders, we always have like a five minute section where we talk about if you've watched any more Doctor Who and then that we can put in to the end. Just because I think we, we need more editing in our lives. And by we, I mean you. <laughs> so now, let me say this, in terms of, um, like you were saying about Desert Island Discs and T. Davis and being very eloquent and very good about writing, uh, ages and ages and ages ago, pre-Black Mirror, Charlie Brooker did an episode of Screenwipe where he was talking to lots of TV writers. Um, it was very good. This is probably, I guess, 2008 or nine or something. And um, it was when T. Davis was still running Doctor Who. Um, and and he interviewed T. Davis, and T. Davis gave, as you can imagine, some very good, you know, sound bites and you know, more than that, some good stuff. And also, just um, when his run and David Tennant's run of Doctor Who was ending, it was a big deal. It was a Christmas Day episode and everything. Uh, they released his scripts for the final, you know, two part. It was afterwards, so afterwards it had already been on TV. The scripts and also the whole season, it's basically his diary and it's his correspondence with this young journalist and their friends. And so it's that, and it's it goes deep just uh, into his angst when he's writing, uh, goes very, very deep into his procrastination and all the negative sides that come with the writing. You see original drafts of certain sections of certain episodes of season four, the final season of Doctor Who, and ideas that he had before spoilers he got Catherine Tate to be in it he was going to do something else and it's the whole organic live you know shape of the final season knowing that it was going to be his final season and different drafts and then different writers do their episode but then 99% of all those he will come in and heavily rewrite and rearrange uh, very you know strong-willed about it you know, he's the showrunner and so he's heavily doing that and he's writing about some writers are very open to that and obviously some are very resentful and don't like it and there were only two writers he never rewrote I always forget who one of them was but the other one was Stephen Moffat which makes sense because then he went on to run the show yeah. very successfully so so that's all nice and of course Moffat had run lots of shows pre his run of Doctor Who as well he was already an established 
showrunner. But anyway, that is a really, really good book. And anyone interested in writing, really like the Stephen King one writing, it's great. I don't know, because it's so of its time, because it's focused on that. I don't know how accessible it is. You probably need to watch the show first, don't you, to get the... Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. A million, definitely. But I wonder if... Yeah, but it's very good. So disciplined, Shepi. So disciplined. Like, when you compare him to a Moffat who gotta say like Sherlock just lost its way you know like he he's of a like it's a sin it's just going to be its own bubble success done thanks very much I think years and years the same like that's that and he'll walk away and I don't know where he might have lost the way on Doctor Who or not you know yet but you know but I I can imagine there's lots of opportunity for him to there but generally speaking you know I find something if you get too into your own head with writing and I think the Moffats of the world have done that you see it on the screen and it becomes a bit unwatchable, you know. The Sherlock stuff, let's not spoil Sherlock here, we'll do this another time, maybe we'll do a Sherlock stuff <laughs> or something, but like just to say, like, you know, that really does disappear up its own bum, doesn't it? In the end, Bond Season one and two were bum. so good. Yeah, um, amazing. Yeah. The first two seasons were amazing, and it very quickly, it did go up its own bum. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, it's, and it's a shame. Um, yeah. Well, once you've done all of the G. Davises, then then you can do all of the Moffats, and then we can talk about that as well. <laughs> but I don't know. I've got my own weird love-hate relationship with that with that era. Um, I like it on one level very much. He's a very good writer, obviously, but T. Davis does pip it. It's, and that in itself, you know, T. Davis's era, his four-season run, uh, it's got its ups and downs, certainly. Some, you know, some real ones that he 100% wrote, credited to, are like, ooh, ooh, ooh <laughs> oh no. But um, I'm really thinking about that from season two, honestly. Season two is definitely the weakest out of the four. Uh, the first is good and the third is my personal favourite. But yeah, yeah, they're all, they're all solid. And he can really write a cliffhanger. He's excellent at writing cliffhangers, which is very helpful if you're writing Doctor Who. So... That's good stuff. His cliffhangers are wonderful. Uh, so that's 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 something to look forward to. Um, it's a sin. I just want to get back to you for a yeah, second. Yeah. Very good stuff. Um, I want to mention Keely Holtz, his character, so the mum. I think it's safe to say, um, spoilers, but there's a twist. But it's one of those twists that you don't realise it's a twist until much later. And I'm calling it a twist because it's an unexpected plot revelation, which I think is the definition of a twist. And that's, she turns out to be absolutely malevolent and a very, you know, human and you're given all of her reasons, but she's a a massive villain by the end. Um, And as soon as she, you know, she goes into the hospital when, when she finds out and all of that. And you see it was there all the way through where, you know, she, she drops little comments and little things and, and also little comments that dad has made earlier about, like, you know, go on, be free. Like right at the first episode, yeah. like get out. And, it, and, and then when you do start to think about it, you're like, oh, she makes everyone's life absolutely miserable. And... You know, she's she doesn't she denies the dad special time with the son when he's you know in the last episode when he's at home, um, and she makes him listen to stuff which makes her feel better, like stuff he liked when he was six, 
Um, and so it's for her benefit. Yeah. It's so selfish. And again, so clever writing. And Keely Holmes is in stuff. She's a, she's a, you know, so it's fun. So I was waiting for something to happen all the way through the series, being like, she's not just going to have been doing this something. And, and so when that, all of that sort of happened, and it was right into the whole bit in the hospital, and then the, the woman lets her have it, and it's so organic, and you can totally understand both sides of the build up to that argument. It's so well done. And then she's so, you know, she feels so guilty and she didn't know and then she feels stupid and she's clearly hugely homophobic and all of this and she denies the friend the visit and all of that and then she wants to hear all about it and then the friend gives that amazing speech um right at the end and sums it all up and realize that's where the whole show was really going like the message a very important message that tito is wanted to get out was is, is this type of person you, you know, it's, it's human absolutely world. stunning. Shepard has such yeah. a wonderful summary of it. Yeah, I've got nothing to add apart from you're so right, and it's so on the money, and and the the the, the reveal in the last scene is is a stunner as well, isn't it? It's, it just it, he's so good at wrong footing you, isn't he? It's really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, so lovely. Yeah, because she's so real, isn't she? That 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 mum, you know. I mean, I don't think our yes. mums are anywhere near that. <laughs> no, but just, but just no. you've you've met that mum, haven't you, in the past? You know, it's a real shocker. Yeah, and there were people like that, and again, you know, yeah. So, uh, in summary, very good show, very nice, and I think originally it was going to be an extra two episodes, but obviously uh, he agrees with you and he condensed it. Um, it yeah. was good, something that's going to happen with the sister. There was going to be a whole yeah, plans for that character. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think very I, interesting. I think it's great where it is and how it yeah, lands. Yeah, me too. And yeah, yeah. It's well, just... I definitely recommend a very English scandal because I think it's like two or three parts, no more than that. And it's you're in, you're out, as it were, and that's good. Um, it's it's it's. Is that Hugh Grant that one? Or yeah, and, that and Paddington. It's Wishaw and Grant together again, <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, and it, yeah, it's, and, and Grant is amazing in it, and it's very good. So I do that. Good old Grant. Okay, well, I'll definitely do that, Sheppy. Nice. Listen, so, Sheps, yes, that was a lovely good. little bubble. I think we should call lovely. it because I've got to take yes. him for a walkies. The old little uh, boy on my left. <laughs> good um, stuff, Jim. Very nice. Yeah, man. Nice. Well, look. How do we end the bubble? <laughs> How do you end a bubble? I just it made sounds it. like uh, the, it's the name of a rhyme, uh, <laughs> like from my show. <laughs> um, right, I. No, I don't know. I'm going to fly off into really? the sun. Pofe. I, I felt that I. Oh no! I felt like I was about to step on something you were about to say, so I didn't say anything. But it didn't go anywhere. I regret everything. Uh, a bubble is difficult to finish because it has no end. It just goes round and round forever and ever. The only way to get rid of it is to go pop. And if I was, I could, I was wanted to put my finger in my mouth and do the pop goes the weasel noise, but I've been stroking the dog and I don't want to put it in my mouth. So you can just imagine I did the pop noise. And then yeah, we just yeah. cut on the pop, and it was just wonderful. <laughs> and it's like a real it was, life. it would have been perfect. Oh, it no. would have been amazing. But my Howard Hughes sort of 
uh, germ or phobia um, stopped it from happening. So no, we can kiss that dream goodbye because there was no pop. The bubble was still there, hasn't finished, just bouncing along. Uh, so, so that's a massive shame. I'll tell you what, here's one. Uh, I actually do know a poem about a bubble from my childhood. Let me see. I blew myself a bubble which was bigger than myself and I floated up inside it to the topmost shelf. And there I saw before me with my own two eyes, uh, seven empty jam jars and four dead flies. <laughs> and that is how you pop a bubble. I mean, <laughs> there's never been a more stunning ending to the podcast. <laughs> Where you pulled that from, but God, no. <laughs> we'd love to hear from you please reach out to us at shoulderspod.com or shoulderspod at twitter instagram and facebook